have time. And so I just want to dive right in and say that Mark chapter 12, 29 and 30, Jesus said the most important commandment is this, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Do you hear the emotion in that passage of Scripture? Jesus is saying, I, I don't want you to just kind of love me. I don't want you to just say like the Pharisees did with their lips that they love me, but yet their heart was far from me. He said, no, I want you to be passionate and I want you to love me with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. What he says is, I want a relationship with you, an emotional relationship with you. Uh, he doesn't want us to just give a mental assent that there is a higher power or there is, a, you know, someone above us or the big man upstairs. No, 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 no. He wants a, an emotional relationship with you. So I want to give you some thoughts today to help you understand your emotions. And first of all, I want you to know that God has emotions. Many people, you know, they don't realize that God has emotions, that God has feelings, that God is an emotional God. He feels joy. He feels pain. He feels grief. He feels uh, all of the hatred towards sin. He has frustrations when, when we fail him and when we come short of the glory of God. And God is an emotional God. If he did not have emotions, you would not be emotional. Someone says, well, I'm not just an emotional fella. I don't get all stirred up about that. Well, let me see your bank account tomorrow or how you act when you get about three overdrafts in the mail. See how emotional you get. Are you with me? Say amen. Uh, so, and, and it ain't been long ago we celebrated Valentine's Day, and we talk about things, you know, um, like I give you my heart. You know, the heart is the seat of emotions. You know, if God wasn't a God of love, we couldn't even express love. We couldn't even know what love is. So God is a God of emotions. That's the first thing you need to understand. The second thing is my feelings are a gift from God, even the bad ones. Even the ones that seem to be negative, they are a great asset to me. You see, because if you didn't have feelings, you would be no different uh, than a robot. You would be no different than a computer. You wouldn't even be human at all. But because God has emotions, he gave you and I emotions because the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 26, he said to God the Son and God the Holy Ghost, come, let us make man in our image. In other words, let us make man like us. We are an emotional people because God's an emotional God. You know, we cry because God cries. We laugh because God laughs. I think he laughs at us sometime when our stupidity shows up. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, there are, uh, there are two extremes I want you to avoid. And, and you know, Jesus talked about uh, extremes when he said, some of you will swallow a camel and strain on a gnat. Now, we live in that generation where some people have swallowed a camel, but yet, you know, they strain on a gnat. And, and here's the two extremes. One is emotionalism. <clears throat> Emotionalism means that uh, all that matters is how I feel. It doesn't matter what God says about it. Don't matter what the church is positioned about it. Doesn't matter what the preacher says about it. Don't matter what mom and daddy said about it. I feel like doing this, and bless God, I'm going to do it. And some of y'all can identify with it because I see you, right? That's emotionalism. In other words, my feelings are the only thing in the world that matters. The opposite end of the spectrum is stoicism. Stoicism is the exact opposite of emotionalism, and Stoics say that 
feelings aren't important at all. Doesn't matter how you feel. Um, Stoicism just says basically feelings are not important. The only thing that matters is your intellect and your will, your volition, your intelligence. So the Stoics say emotions are not part of life and your feelings just don't really matter. Try to tell your wife that. Hello? Uh, Stoicism. So it's really funny how oftentimes Stoics marry emotionalists. Or emotionless marriage stoics, and it's crazy because you know, uh, uh, you, you got the one that's a stuffer and the other that's a gusher. You got the one that cries at the drop of a hat, and the other one's you know, sort of like you know, uh, an iron fence, if you will. Stuffers actually think you shouldn't be sharing your emotions, and gushers think that you're not authentic if you don't share your emotions. And actually, both of these are extreme positions, they are at opposite ends of the spectrum. A happy medium would be somewhere in the middle. It's interesting that entire denominations have been based upon emotionalism and there's other entire denominations that have been based upon stoicism and neither one of them are right. The emotionalists, all they do is shake and quiver. Whoo, don't you feel that? Don't you smell God? Don't you hear God? Don't you? And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying, listen, I've been in this a long time. All my life raised Pentecostal. I've seen the good and the bad and the fake and the phony and the real and all of that. So, so don't run off and blow me up on Twitter just yet. But, uh, but, but, but then the Stoics, are they sit stone-faced. Preacher, see if you can move me with all of your emotionalism. And we don't need emotion. Let me say, God is an emotional God. And then there is some things about God that just does not change. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He says, I am God that changes not. So listen, um, the, the word emotion in the Bible, the closest thing we get to it is passion or uh, our affections. It is our heart, which is the seat of our emotions. Are you with me? Say amen. So, um, you know, we'll say, I, I love you, honey, with all of my heart. But, you know, there, there are those that say, but, but it's only emotions. And they, they emotionalists come to church, man, and, and brother, they better be shaking. They better have some quiver in their liver. You know, everybody better be trembling. Everybody better be crying or slain in the spirit. Everybody better run the aisles or, or do this or that or the other. And, and in other words, emotionalism, some of them don't even have a relationship with God. It's just emotional. And I'm trying to be, I'm trying to walk careful here. And then you got the Stoics that sit there and do nothing, you see? And so both of those are wrong. There has to be um, uh, an amalgamation. There has to be a meeting in the middle because we are an emotional people. Now, see, so how do we deal with how we feel? Because you don't always feel like a great Christian man. That don't mean you're not. Let me try to move on. God gave us the book of Psalms, and, and I'm just going to hit this and move quick because i got to get through some things, but the book of Psalms is filled with emotions. We look at the book of Psalms, and we see where people got mad. God gets mad. Did you know God gets angry? It's okay to get angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. It's okay. I've gotten mad. I've had arguments. I've told people exactly how I felt and was still saved when I got through. Hello? I don't mean I cussed them out. I just mean I said my side, and they said their side, sometimes a little louder than we should have. Are you with me? I know you probably, you're too spiritual for that, but today I want to look at how to deal with how you feel because our feelings affect us. And again, it goes back to mental things last week. How we think determines how we act, and, and a lot of times what we're thinking and doing get, 
goes to, you know, to that end of how we feel. So let me go on. So today I have two tasks. I want to, to uh, share with you why we must manage our emotions, and then I'd like to tell you how. I don't know if we'll get there, but we'll try. First of all, I want you to understand that your feelings are unreliable. Are you hearing me say amen? Our feelings are unreliable. And I'm, I'm not saying always. You, you've heard people say, well, I kind of feel like this. Well, you know what? There's many days I didn't feel like coming to work. But I had to go. There's many days I didn't preach, but I had to go. There's been many times, see, our feelings can deceive us if we're not careful. How many times have you thought, I just know this is the right thing. I just feel in my gut this is it. And it didn't work out. Amen. You cannot depend on your feelings because your feelings can often fool you. Amen. You know, last week we talked about uh, you don't have to believe everything you think. You don't also have to believe everything you feel. Amen? Everything I think is not true, and everything I feel is not true uh, either. So some of the things you feel are about yourself are just dead wrong. Some of the things you feel about other people are dead wrong. Hello? Now, I'm not saying that you throw out all of your common sense and all of that stuff. I'm just, just bear with me. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right, to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Death is the opposite of life. Isn't that right? There's a way that seems right to us. You know what the Bible says about a fool? He said the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. In other words, you try to tell a fool that he's wrong, and he'll look at you and say, you're a fool. <laughs> Amen. Listen, um, the, the, the second reason we need to manage our emotions is if we're not careful, our emotions can manipulate us. If you don't control your emotions, they will control you. Well, I don't really feel it today, so I'm not doing anything. Huh? You know, uh, I, I, I get up and I, I just don't feel, I ain't feeling it. I ain't going to work today. Try that on a few times. And pretty soon your boss say, you know what? Keeping your job, I ain't really feeling it. You see, so that, that's not going to work. Now, I want you to know that salesmen are trained and advertisers are trained to stir up your emotions. Huh? You ever had somebody come to your house to sell you something? I don't care if it's a water softener or a vacuum cleaner. Man, they'll get you so stirred up because these allergies are killing you. They're killing your children. And this water, man, you got all these problems in your water. My God, hey, I can't believe you feed your baby this in a bottle. And next thing you know, you're so strung up in your emotions, you spend $5,000 on something you don't need, don't want, and can't afford. But it got you stirred up about it with your emotions. Are you with me? Man, you go on a car lot. Oh, man, they'll get you if you ain't careful. So anyway, the Bible says in Proverbs 25 and 28, uh, like an open city with no defenses is the man who has no check on his feelings. You got to be careful how you feel. You see, you have to keep a check on your feelings. If you have no governor, if you're not able to moderate your feelings, if you, have, you don't know how to manage your feelings, he says you're like a city with no defense. Uh, here's another. The New Living Translation says a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with a broken down wall. I want you to understand something. You need to get this if you don't get anything else today. Satan's favorite tool in your life is negative emotions. 
Satan's favorite tool in your life or in dealing with you is negative emotion. Let me show you that. He will use fear to whip you up. He will use resentment to get you going. He'll use jealousy. He will use envy. He will use shame. Satan will just, he'll get you all stirred up with your emotions. He uses your emotions. And, and you know what First Peter says? Here's the answer. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking someone for someone to devour. The next reason why I need to control my emotions and be able to manage my emotions is because I want to please God. I don't know how many of you want to please God. I want to please him. I don't want to be manipulated. You know, God cannot be God in my life if my emotions rule. I don't feel like going to church today, so I just ain't going. I don't feel like reading the word of God today, so I'm not going to read it. I don't feel like worshiping when I get to church, so I'm going to sit here like a sourpuss. You might as well stay at home because that kind of stuff is contagious. Are you with me? Say amen. I just don't feel this. I don't feel that. Listen, let me say this to you Christians. I don't live by what I feel. I walk by faith and not by sight. What I'm seeing, let me tell you something. God can change what I'm seeing. He can change what I'm hearing. He can change what I'm feeling, what I'm smelling, what I'm touching, what I'm tasting. God can change all of that. And my senses and my feelings can lie to me if I'm not very careful. Amen. I serve a God that is not bound to my um, five senses. So Romans 8 and 6 through 8 says, To be controlled by human nature results in death, but to be controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Those who obey human nature cannot please God. Oh, by the way, that's in your outline there. They cannot please God. So now the next reason I need to manage my emotions is because I want to succeed in life. And let me say this, if you're going to succeed in life, you've got to manage your moods. Nobody wants to be around a, a volatile person that's just going to pop a cork every day. You just don't ever know when, but they're a ticking time bomb. Tick, tick, tick. And you meet them in the foyer or maybe by the coffee bar, and all of a sudden, boom! They go up and go off. They don't even know why sometimes. But let me say this. Proverbs 5 and 23 says, people... Get lost. See, he's talking about in life. And they die because of their foolishness and they die because of their lack of self-control. If you want to succeed in life, you've got to be self-controlled. Listen, if Jesus Christ lives in your heart, you know what? When we got saved and we gave him our heart, guess what? We gave him our emotions. Huh? He says to us last week to take captive every thought because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. What? To the pulling down of strongholds. You remember what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a lie that we have believed to be the truth. Hello? And, and so God is an emotional God. And when we got saved, we gave him our heart, which is the seat of our emotions. And so if he is in me and I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ, I need to act like it. Amen. I, even when I don't feel like it, I need to act in faith. I'm not saying that you're a hypocrite. I'm simply saying there's times that, that I don't feel like doing what I ought to do. There's times where I have a bad day. You can believe that uh, or not, but there's times I have a bad day. And, and Kelly would say, he's just not good to be around right now. Hello? And you try to stay down low during that time because you don't, <laughs> are you with me? Say amen. But, but we need to learn how to handle and manage our emotions in, in faith, knowing it ain't always going to be this way. 
First Peter 4 and 2 says, from now on you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will and not by human desires. Now, that gets me to part B or the second part of this message. We talked about why I must control or manage my emotions, and now I want to talk to you a little bit about how. Because we say, well, here's why, and now here's how. And this is where you have to just sort of get up on the horse and go for it. So the first thing you have to do in order to, to uh, manage your emotions is you've got to be able to name that feeling. You've got to be able to name it. Look at your neighbor and say, name it. The first thing you have to do is put a name on it. You have to identify, and you've got to be specific. You've got to pinpoint exactly what it is. It cannot be a vague feeling. How are you feeling today? Well, I don't know. No, no. Are you ticked off? Are you angry? Are you mad? Are you upset? Are you ashamed? Are you envious? Are you grievous? What is it? And you've got to be able to put a label on it because you can't fix what you can't name. You see, you're not as good as your emotions tell you. You go look in the mirror and you say, boy, I sure am pretty. You're probably not that pretty. But on the other hand, if you look and you say, man, I am just a ragged dog, you're probably not. Huh? But if, the, if so, everybody loves dogs. Are you with me? So you're probably not as good as you think you are or your mind has told you and you're probably not as bad. But if you can't name it, you can't change it. Psalm 55 and 2 says, my thoughts are restless. And David said, I am confused. <laughs> Anybody been there? My thoughts are restless and I am confused. See, so first, you got to ask yourself this question. What am I feeling? What am I really feeling? And I'm not talking about just scratching the surface. you got to say, what am I? You, you see, because you've seen people that blow up at you, and they just go off on you, and you just happen to be the punching bag. They're not even mad at you, but they had a big fight with their husband before they left the house, and they had a, a chat with the boss that they didn't like, and now you happen to be the one that ran into them next. And lo and behold, you spilt a little bit of coffee on them, and, oh, man, both barrels of the shotgun was opened up. Amen. So you cannot talk in, in vague terminology about, you know, uh, what is the real cause? Of, uh, what is the real thing I'm feeling? Is it really, I, it, does the coffee stain really matter that much? Or am I really that mad at my boss or, more importantly, the husband? Is it getting quiet? I thought it was. I heard the air conditioner running. So you say, well, I, I'm a little bit depressed. And you know, why? Why? What is it that triggered that? So let, let me, that's part two. The, the next question there, not only is what is the real feeling, not, not something that you're using to mask something else with, else with, but what is the real feeling? What is it that you're really feeling? Are you really mad because you just broke? Are you mad because uh, your husband bought a boat and didn't talk to you? That's what happened in my life. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not recommending it, brothers. It takes a... A few weeks to get beyond that. Uh, but nonetheless, so, so what is the real deal? What is the real feeling that we're trying to cover up? And, and then second part is this. What is the trigger? What is it that made you go off? You know, what is it that sets you off? And you've got to be willing to be honest about this, you see. Because the, let me say this. And if you just sort of clam up and run hide in the closet, you're probably already out of control. Man, it is getting so quiet today. If you can't talk about it, you already have a problem with it, and we know it. 
If you have a fear and you're afraid to talk about it, you're already out of control. And, and, and it's going to take over your body if you don't learn to just open up and talk about it. Emotions weren't meant to be swallowed. They were meant to be shared. Swallowed emotions cause a cancer in the body. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about a spiritual situation. You see, what is the trigger? Sometimes it might be something that you saw. <clears throat> You saw a place and it brought back a memory. Maybe it was an old homestead where you were molested as a child and you happened to drive by there and all of those memories come flooding back to you. And now the next thing you've done is took out something on your husband or, or your wife, whatever the case may be, and you just lit them up. And it don't have nothing to do with them. It has to do with what triggered an, a thought from 30 years ago. Oh, maybe it's something that you heard. Maybe, uh, you know, so, so you heard a song and it brought your mind back to, to something tragic or to something terrible. Maybe it was the, the smell of cologne of someone that embraced you and then stabbed you in the back and you can't get that smell out. You walk through Belk and say, where's he at? Hello? You see, maybe it's a certain touch. I don't know what it is, but you gotta be honest and own what is it that is triggering this. Is it something I see, something I touch, something I smell, something I feel, something is triggering it. You got to, you see, you cannot manage what you do not know. So, uh, you can write this down. I cannot tame it until I name it. I cannot solve a problem that I refuse to identify. You, so, so you have to name that emotion that you're feeling. Whatever that negative emotion is, you got to name that. And then secondly, uh, we're talking about how to deal with it. you got to name it. The second thing is you got to challenge it. You, you, so once you've admitted that emotion, you have to challenge that emotion. Or else that emotion runs your life. You're driven by an old emotion that's 30 years old, but it just keeps coming back. Let me uh, try to dig a little deeper here. you got to challenge that feeling. You, you don't just automatically accept it because it's there. You see, as I said, you're not as bad as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. So, but see, David wrote this in the Psalms. He often asked God to challenge his emotions. He says, God, challenge my... Listen, God knows everything about us, but David said, challenge my emotions. Huh? See, if I... Let me... Psalm 26 and 2. Lord, cross-examine me. Test my motives and my affections. See, what are your feelings? What are your affections? What are your emotions? And sometimes you need a friend to challenge, uh, to challenge you. Let me ask you this. Have you, have you got a friend that you... Listen, listen you ain't got to have many. You only need one. You don't need somebody that's going to run to Facebook as soon as you tell them your emotions but you need one person that you've given the permission to say why are you acting like that one person to ask you why are you so mad today why are you so angry what, what's upsetting you you need one person in your life that can ask you those kind of questions and you don't get mad with them somebody that you can just talk to plainly and say this is how I feel and this is why I'm acting the way I'm acting. Somebody you can just be honest with. See, a true friend is somebody you give permission to ask you those questions. Why do you feel like you're feeling? Why are you acting? Why are you so mad? Do you have anybody that can ask you that kind of question 
and you not throw them under the bus or get mad with them or delete them off Facebook friends list. How, who does she think she is asking me this? Why is she so mad? I started to go down another road, but I just don't have time to get. I could go down there, but I won't be able to get back. So you got to ask yourself three questions, if, if you will. And, and why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling like this? And you got to be honest with yourself. The second question you have to ask is, what I'm feeling true? You remember the great prophet Elijah? Let me tell you what he did in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. He called fire down from heaven with a 63-word prayer. In chapter 19, King Ahab uh, had a wife by the name of Jezebel. The Bible says King Ahab done more wicked than any king before him, stirred up by his wicked wife Jezebel. Now, Jezebel's spirit ain't got nothing to do with makeup. For those of you who think it does, it don't. It has to do something with a manipulating, controlling, domineering wife, and that's what she was to Ahab. She stirred up all of this illness, and she, she said to the prophet Elijah, see if about this time tomorrow that I won't make your life just like one of the prophets of Baal you killed yesterday. In other words, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. He took off running into the wilderness. One of his servants come along with him. He said, no, you stay here. And he went on another day or two journey into the wilderness. He sat down by a broom tree, a juniper tree, and he put his head down, and he said, oh, God, it's enough. Now take away my life. I'm not even worthy to live anymore. And the Lord says, uh, what, what, what do you mean? He said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And God sent an angel and he baked him a cake and said, look, the journey's too great for you. And he, he, he ate the cake and he drank the water and he fell asleep and angel come back again and fed him. And he got up from there and he ran to Mount Horeb. That's the last place he had seen God. He got to Mount Horeb, and he heard there was a great wind and a great fire and a great, great earthquake. You remember the story, perhaps. But nonetheless, um, God was not in the wind, God was not in the fire, and God was not in the earthquake. But all of a sudden, he heard a still, small voice, and it said, What doest thou hear, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for you, O God, because nobody else is serving you. They've torn down your altars. They, they, they have gotten other idols. They've done this, and nobody's serving you. And all these things... That was not true. God said to him, I have 7,000 people on the other side of the that have never bowed a knee to Baal nor kissed his image. I've got, in other words, is that you got to challenge the emotion. Is what I'm feeling true? It was Elijah a great man of God? Yes. Had he called fire down from heaven? Yes. Was he wrong about what he was feeling? Absolutely. And some of us, We've had great relationship with God. We come to church every Sunday. We pay our tithe, but we are, are, have not challenged the emotion we feel. We feel like nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody this, nobody that, and the devil just loves you feeling that way. Oh, man, that's getting good. And so here's the greatest of all the prophets. I mean, here, here's Elijah, this great man of God, but he was dead wrong. And God corrected him. He said, listen here, son, I've got 7,000 more men that have, they, they ain't bowed down. Everybody hadn't given up. You just feel like it. And the devil's playing on you because this woman's chasing you now and you think you're gonna die, but you ain't gonna die till I'm through with you. Go ahead and praise him. So ask yourself, is the emotion I'm feeling true? And then you gotta ask yourself, is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Some of you are feeling an emotion and it ain't helping you one bit. Matter of fact, it's hurting you. And, but some people would rather just wallow 
in self-pity. Now listen, I know emotions do hurt. There's times where I was troubled and just beside myself, and there's no doubt. I'm not denying the fact that, that you get hurt as a people, that I get hurt as a person, that, that people can get on your feelings and people can truly offend you, and we all have a right to get offended. Nobody has the right to stay offended. You see, so, you know, it feels good to get angry sometimes. Let me give you another, um, for instance, um, is the emotion I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Let, let's say you go to a restaurant and you're all headed there in a moment, most likely. But if you get there to the restaurant and, and, and you wait, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden they seat you and you seat, and then you're sitting there and you've been there 15 minutes and then you've been there 20 minutes and you look up and, and they come in 15 minutes after you, they've already got seated. I mean, they're, they're seated. Not only do they have their water, they're bringing out their meal. And you bump your wife and say, are you seeing this? I mean, what's the deal? Huh? You, you mean to tell me? We have been sitting here 45 minutes now. They ain't been here but 20 minutes and they already eating lobster. Huh? Now let me ask you this. Would going off on the waitress help your situation? Probably not. Matter of fact, you might be eating um, some saliva or something. <clears throat> That's bad to say, but, but, but me just showing myself a fool, it might make me feel better to say something, but it won't better your situation, I promise you. So let, let me move on. So the third thing you got to do, not only do you ha have to name that, if you're going to fix it, you got to be able to name it. you got to be able to challenge it. Are you hearing me? you got to be able to challenge it. And then the last thing you got to be able to do is to tame it. Now, how do I tame this tiger? You see, um, you can, here, here's what you do. You can either change it or you can channel it. It's an amazing. Philippians says this in 2 and 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we're dealing with a feeling and, and we can't change it, we just have to channel it. I'll give you uh, an example. Pastor Rick Warren, uh, who pastors, pastors Saddleback Church, a couple of years ago, had a son by the name of Matthew who took his own life. Dreadful. He said, he said, there's not a day in my life that goes by that I don't cry and weep over the loss of my son. He said, there's never a day that I, I don't cry and grieve over that. He said, but I do not let that put me down in the mully grubs into the place that I cannot be functional and that I cannot pastor, I cannot do this. He said, but what I've decided to do is channel that emotion. And I started a foundation to deal with mental health and those who are struggling with mental anguish and, and mental problems. He said, so I'm taking that emotion that I feel and I'm channeling that to something now that's going to help people. So if I'm going to feel this horrible emotion, I'm going to bring some good out of it. So what the devil intended to harm me will end up helping somebody. Would you stand with me? Just like a moment ago, you saw the picture of the orphans. There's 137 million orphans in the world, and that stat's two years old. 137 million 
And you say, you, you might be here today and say, you know what, Pastor, I've tried to get pregnant. I've tried to have a child, and I, I just can't have. Well, rather than allowing that emotion to just beat you down, let me say this. God is able to open your womb and give you a child. Don't tell you don't come too late to, to tell me any different. He can do that. Living proof. I think Tanya and William tried for 17 years. Now they got Peyton and Caleb. Amen. On and on it goes throughout the Bible. But if God chooses another way, there's 137 million orphans in the world. And rather than that, letting that emotion just kill you, you say, I turn this thing into good. There's 137 million babies that need mama, that need daddy. You may have... Uh, a son or a daughter that was lost due to a tragic drug overdose or something like that. You know what you can do? You can begin to champion that cause and to help somebody else's teenage son or daughter that's headed down that road. What I'm saying is God can use even that horrible experience. So let me ask you this question. What pain in your life are you using for good? And I'm going to have to leave it right there. What pain in your life are you using for good? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this and then we'll close. I'm going to pray. I, you got to understand this. Let me just ask you a question. If I had a tube of toothpaste, you name it, Aquafresh, Colgate, doesn't matter, and I just put it right here, put both hands on it and just squeeze down on it, what's going to happen? Is peanut butter going to shoot out here on the floor? Is shampoo... No. Whatever's inside of you, whatever's in here, in your heart, when you get under pressure, that's what's coming out. When you don't, don't tell me how great you are. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Doesn't matter how great you think you are when you're on the mountaintop, but when you get under pressure, whatever's in here is what's coming out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to touch us right now. In our emotional health, may we be transformed. Oh God, help us to deal with how we feel, to be honest about how we feel in the name of Jesus, and we'll give you the praise and the honor. Amen.